Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 6. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Poor other Mary. Like, doesn't she have a last name too? Okay. Went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he laid. Now you might think I'm getting ready to preach an Easter sermon to you. I'm not going to do that. Your pastor is going to preach an Easter sermon to you in a few weeks. I'm going to pull three words out of this text that you may never have heard preached before. I want to go back to verse 2, and I'll show them to you. Verse 2, it says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. When I read that verse, I just got to be honest with you. I'm like, what? I'm weird. I think of weird stuff in the Bible. And I'm like, why did the angel sit down? If I'm writing this movie, if I'm writing the script, I'm going to have this angel come down and like hover you know, do something majestic, do something powerful. This angel sat down. Why did this angel sit down? And what I want to present to you and what I want to talk to you about today for just a little bit is that maybe this angel was preaching a message to us without opening its mouth. That, that maybe the place in which this angel sat down, maybe he did it on purpose. Maybe he did it specifically Maybe he did it for a reason, and I want us to talk about maybe what this reason might have been today. So really simply, what I came to talk to you about today is watch where you sit. Watch where you sit. Let's pray, and then I'm going to let you sit, all right? Father, thank you so much for your presence that's here. We're mindful of it. And no matter how busy our lives are, no matter how crazy and our phones are dinging and life's calling, but at least for the next 30-some minutes, God, we're going we're gonna to focus in on you. We're going to shut it all out because we believe that you have something you want to say to every single one of us. So this is what we say, God. We're climbing up on the surgery table and we're saying, open us up, cut things out that don't need to be there, encourage us, challenge us, and we go to your word, which is the only thing that can really help us, and so we open ourselves to it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And if you're Greek, every campus, could you say amen? Amen. Hey, high five about three people on your way down. I want to quickly greet all of you watching online. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, Maybe you're watching this podcast or listening to a a podcast or watching YouTube. Maybe it's like two or three years from now. We want to thank you for taking this moment and joining us here at Life Church. Uh, I want to ask you a quick question. Every location, every person, how do you pick where you sit? Are you strategic? Do you, do you walk into a room and before you go, you kind of scan the room and, and you're, you have a plan. Maybe you got kids and you're like, I got to stay close to the back because my kids may go crazy and we got we to gotta slip out the back. You know, if you go to a concert, you know, you're, you're going to try to get as close to the front as you can because their sweat may bounce on you. But if you're in church, you're going to get as far back as you can because the preacher may spit on you. Like it's just the opposite. But we're strategic in this. We, 
How many of you are like this? You strategic. Every hand. Come on. You're strategic. It's like the movie theaters, you know? You don't leave a courtesy seat. I'm just going to say it. Leave a courtesy seat between you and the next person, okay? You're going into the row. There's, oh, there always needs to be a courtesy seat. And, and I'll just say this too, kind of a soapbox moment. If you walk into a theater and, and somebody has their seat, their feet on the seat in front of you, don't sit in the seat right in front of them. Come on. Like anywhere else. Just not there. Okay, I'm, I'm off the soapbox. But I, but I think many times we, we're strategic in where we sit. Because where we sit matters. Now, I hope that you're picking up, or you're gonna, in the fact that I'm not necessarily talking about your rear ends. I'm more interested, and really it's my first point, I'm more interested in where your soul sits. And this is what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes, is, is this idea of where we allow our soul to sit. Now, you know what your soul is, right? Your soul is made up your, of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And really, there's only two aspects to sitting down. It's the place that you sit and the reason that you sit. Maybe you're tired. You sit down because you're tired. I started looking through Scripture, and I started noticing that, that many times in Scripture, it'll say where they sit. It'll say the reason they sit, and it'll say where they sit. And what I found is that in Scripture, most of the time, when it says where they sit, there's a reason. And when it says where they sat, the place in which they sat becomes symbolic in nature. And so I encourage you, I don't have time to go into this all day, but if you're reading through scripture and it says, and Jesus sat on the well. Remember this one? When, the, when, when he meets the woman at the well, it says that Jesus sat on the well. Why? Because he is the well. He wanted to symbolically say, Hi, I'm sitting at the place where you're going to find me, and there's going to be a well that springs up from within you. There's always a reason. There's always something symbolic. Let me show you one in the Old Testament. It's really cool. It's the story of Elijah. And remember this, this, this text. Elijah had just called down fire on, on the prophets of Baal, and it consumed the, 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 the offering. And, and Jezebel comes at him, and, and he runs away. This is where we pick up in 1 Kings 19.3. It says, Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now watch this. He came to a broom bush. He sat down. Notice where he sat down. Under it. And he prayed that he might die. What I want to present to you is that Elijah didn't only sit there physically. He sat there emotionally. It wasn't just his body that sat there that day. It was his soul. His soul set in a place. And I want you to notice what drove him there. It says, Elijah was afraid. And fear drove him to a place in which he sat down. Now, the Bible's really cool because if you'll study it and not just read it, if something pops out at you, you shouldn't just wait for somebody to give you a sermon. You should be figuring out a sermon on your own. So you think about this idea that he sat down under a broom bush. And I just thought to myself, I wonder if the broom bush means something. I wonder what a broom bush symbolizes. And so I want to show it to you. A broom bush, there's three interesting things about a broom bush, also known as juniper trees. Now, they were indigenous to this area. They grew in this area in which Elijah was. Three interesting things about broom bushes that I believe are symbolic in nature to what I'm talking about today. The first interesting thing about a broom bush is that broom, bush, broom bushes grow in dry places. Broom bushes grow dry, grow in dry places. Now, when you find yourself 
emotionally sad, emotionally depressed, emotionally hurting, emotionally feeling sorry for yourself, emotionally having these feelings, I would present to you that maybe you are in a dry place spiritually. Because those sort of emotions grow best in dry places. The other interesting thing about, about broom bushes is that broom bushes produce a bitter root. Now, these, these, these roots that they produced were edible, but you would not want to eat one of them. It's not like you would be like, man, I am really craving some broom bush root up in here, and we need to go to the restaurant and get some broom. No, it was edible, but it was only the poorest of the poor. It was only in the most extenuating of circumstances that you would ever even consider eating this root because it'll help you survive, but it won't help you grow. So let me show you this in in, in the Old Testament. I just want to kind of tie this to Scripture so you know I'm not making this up. In Job 30, verse 3, it says, They are gaunt from poverty and hunger, and they they claw the dry ground in desolate wastelands. They pluck wild greens from among the bushes, watch, and eat from the roots of the broom bush. And if your soul sits in the wrong place, you will begin to eat from a bitter root. If you decide to sit, if somebody harms you, someone wrongs you, here's an example. If you decide to sit under unforgiveness, you will eat from bitterness. And you are meant to eat much better things. It's edible, but you shouldn't eat of it. So, so you see this happening by, by, by what, what happens when we sit in the wrong place. The other interesting thing about broom bushes is that the twigs of broom bushes were used to bind things. They were flexible in nature, and so they could use them to bind things. Now, isn't it interesting that Elijah ran out of fear to a dry place and was partaking from a bitter root and was bound by it, and was bound by it, all because he allowed his emotions to sit in a place that he should have never set We have the ability as Christ followers to analyze and be aware of the places in which we're sitting. Now, I want to show you just a really subtle difference, okay? It's subtle, but it's significant. Let's go back to Elijah. In in 1 Kings 19.4, it says he came to a broom bush, he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. Now, let's, let's... Compare that to what the angel did in Matthew 28, 2. It says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, here we go, rolled back the stone and sat on it. One set under it, one set on it. It's subtle, it's subtle, but it's different. Now, the Greek word, you know what the Greek word for, for under it is? It means under it. No one's writing this down. Okay, you're with me. I want to show you what the Greek word for on it is, because there is a, a, a Greek word for on it. Let me show this to you. It's amazing. It means this. It means above, beyond. I like this one the best. More than. More than. So so I'm, I'm kind of weird. I illustrate things in my mind. I'm, I'm weird. When I read the Bible, I picture the Bible. And I told you all ago that I picture this angel coming down and sitting now, how do you think the angel sat? Do you think, I told you I'm weird. Did the angel just kind of sit, you know, like this? Because I'm a sloucher. He's sloucher, I'm a sloucher. Did he, you know, you know how, in my mind's eye, you know how I picture the angel sitting? I feel like the angel was like posted up like this. <laughs> and for some reason, like I picture, um, I'm going way back. I'm dating myself. Like friends, Joey Tribbiani. I feel like, I feel like he's like, <laughs> 
How you doing? Like he's posted up on this thing. Now I want you to think about what it is he's sitting on. This is important. What is he sitting on? The angel, watch this. The angel is sitting on the very thing that the devil tried to stop Jesus with. And the angel said, I'm going to sit on top of this thing just to make a statement. Now let me ask you this question. Let's make this real practical. What has the devil rolled in front of your life to try to stop you? Is, is it a marriage issue you're walking through? Is it, is it financial? Are you, are you questioning your self-worth? Are you, are you questioning your call? Are you, are you questioning your faith? We have this amazing choice to make as Christ followers. That here's, and here, really, this is really the choice we have to make. When it comes to our circumstances in this, in this life, we can either sit on them or we can sit under them. But you can't do both. Can't do both. We have to make this decision on a daily basis where we are going to allow our souls to sit. Where's my soul going to sit? So this is the really interesting thing about, I don't know why I'm still sitting, but I'm going to keep preaching. This is the really interesting thing about where we choose to sit. Okay. What I want us to understand is that when we make a choice and we make choices every day of where we're, where our souls are going to sit, where our minds are going to sit, where our emotions are going to sit. We have to remember this, this principle that where we choose to sit doesn't just impact us. Where I choose to sit as a father affects my children. Where I choose to sit as the president of a university affects my staff. Where I choose to sit as a leader and as a husband and, and, as, and, and as a father affects not just me, but it affects everyone around me. There's this, there's this scripture in Second, in Second Kings. I want to show this to you. This is a really cool principle. It says, The Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in the eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all that I had in mind. Your, watch this. Watch this. Oh my gosh. Watch this. Your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. God is saying, because you did the right thing, what I want you to know is that your great, great, great grandkids are going to be impacted because of the decisions that you made. So the principle is this. If I choose to sit on debt, maybe my kids will never sit under it. As a father, maybe if I choose to take anxiety and I say, I'm going to sit on top of anxiety, then my kids will never sit under it. If I choose to sit on top of fear, then my kids will never sit under fear. They'll come with courage. We have the ability to change generations. So, so then the question becomes, well, John, that's really, it preaches cool. Like, I appreciate that, but how do I do that? How do I do that? I, I feel like there's this really cool scripture I want to give you that gives us a, a peek into how we do this. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we do that? Watch, here it is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now this is powerful. Watch this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Have you ever thought that Jesus didn't look forward to going to the cross? He endured it. And it tells us how he endured it. How did Jesus endure the cross? It told us. It says, for the joy set before him. He endured it. He endured it. Because he was able to look past the cross, cross and be seated on the other side of the cross. 
And watch what happens when he, when he did this. It says he scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this is the principle. On your way home from work, and you've had a bad day, and your boss drove you crazy, this is the principle. I'm going to choose before I walk through the door and take this emotion out on my kids, I'm going to get on top of it. Before I walk through the door, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to seat that in the right place. When someone wrongs me and have every opportunity and every right to be angry and to get back at them and to, to not forgive them, I am going to choose to sit on top of it. I refuse to eat from the bitter root. I choose to forgive you, and I'm going to sit on top of it and rise above it, and God will do something great. So watch where you sit. Watch where you sit. Just watch where you sit. Watch where you sit. So we get to choose. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about, let's talk about saving seats. Saving seats. Anybody like saving seats for people? I hate saving seats for people. I refuse to do it. I'm like, if you couldn't be here on time, then that's your own fault. I'm sorry for you. Come on. I didn't get a single amen yet, but people are amening me and clapping now because people get it. Like, I, like I'm in the movie theater. Lights go down. Friends start texting me. Hey, man, I'm running a little late. You know traffic. You save me a seat. Oh, I didn't get that text. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I never saw it. You didn't get no read receipt from me. I didn't, I didn't see that text. And then here's why. You're like, well, you're a really mean guy. No, here's why. I'm 6'7", okay? And I have size 14 shoes. So at the movie theater, this is what's going to happen. People are going to come creeping down the row. You know, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, stepping on my feet. And then you got to be that guy. Every time, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You can't sit here. I'm saving the seat. You know, like, I feel like I'm becoming, I'm living out the Forrest Gump movie in my life. Seat's taken. Can't sit here. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. I'm not saving your seat. I'm sorry. So, so in psychology, you know what they call this idea I'm talking about? They call, there's actually a term for this in psychology. It's called the seat of emotion. This was a, a term that was coined in 1954 by these two psychologists, and it's called the seed of emotion. And so there's three parts of your brain. Did you know that? Your brain, you have three brains, and you're like, uh, I'm not sure my spouse has one, but I'll see where you're going with this. So you have this one part of your brain that's called the survival brain, okay? And if you're alive, congratulations, your survival brain is intact. You're breathing on your own. You know, if somebody jumps out to scare you, you're, you're, you're reacting. That's your survival brain. And then you have this part of your brain that's called the logical brain. This is how you compartmentalize things. You analyze. You figure things out. This is where your executive skills come into play. And, and fill, fill happy parents. I, in my studies, they, the study I found said that uh, kids don't develop this part of their brain until their mid-20s. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's coming. They're going to be able to think for themselves. But... I really don't want to focus on those two parts of the brain. I want to focus on this other part of your brain that's called the emotional brain. The emotional brain. And I like it when modern day science and, and really smart people discover what the Bible's been talking about for years. Because they say, what they're saying is that, what they're, dis- what they're discovering is that there's this constant battle happening in your mind on a, on a daily basis. Do I forgive them or do I not? Do, do I get angry or do I remain calm? Do I, do I fear or do I have courage? Am I anxious or do I have peace? And there's this battle happening in our mind at all times. And they call it the seat 
of emotions because your mind is trying to decide where to have that emotion seated at. Where do I do I punch the guy in the face or do I not? Like right, right, really practical things. So this is this battle that's happening in our mind. Let me let me show you what Paul said about it. In Philippians 4, 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here we go, watch this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. He he said it another way in in 2 Corinthians 10. Remember, Remember when Paul said, I take every thought captive, and I make it obedient to Christ. What is Paul saying? I am taking that thought and I am putting it in the right seat. So this is the principle, okay? When the lights of life go down and the theatrical version of your life begins to play on the screen, guess what's going to happen? Fear is going to come creeping down the aisle. And you have to have the courage to stick out your arm and say, oh, I'm sorry, fear. You can't sit here. Seat's taken. This seat belongs to courage. The next day, guess what's going to come in, mom? Moms, dads, anxiety. Worry about your kids is going to come creeping down the aisle. And we have to have the courage to stand up and say, I'm sorry, anxiety, you can't sit here. Guess what else is going to come down? Shame is going to come down the row. Because you made a mistake yesterday, and you're supposed to be a Christian. And here comes shame, and you have to stand up and say, I'm sorry, shame, you can't sit here. Seat's taken, because I am accepted with Christ. Christ has built me up. We We have to have the power to choose what is going to be seated in our lives. And so we get the power to do this. So we have to be conscious of where my soul sits. Where is my soul sitting? I've got to be aware of this. I've got to be acknowledging this. And I have to save that seat. That seat's saved. Now, this is the best news I came to tell you today. The best news, the great news, is that a seat has been saved for you. Yes, we have to save seats. But there's also a seat that's been saved for us. Several months ago, your pastor, our pastor, Pastor Craig, invited me to go to this event where he was the main speaker. It was a huge event. It was amazing. It was great. And he said, hey, I want you to come. And I said, great. He's like, I'm going to have seats for you. Just just come, man. I'm, I'm happy to host you. I want you there. And so I get there. And I'm now, now I don't know about <laughs> You know how I said a while ago that I don't like to save seats? I really like it when people save me seats. I'm just saying. (laughs) It's totally cool. I don't want to save you a seat, but hey, if you want to save me a seat, we're friends, okay? So, so, you know, I walk into this big auditorium, and everybody else has scurried in like roaches trying to find seats and, you know, kicking people in it. You know, kind of a big deal. I come strolling in there. My seats are down here, you know. I'm kidding. I'm not that. I'm not like that. Okay, I'm kidding. You're like, who is this guy? Okay, so I come down to the front and I and I find this usher and I don't know where my seats are at. So I find this usher and I'm like, hey, uh, I think I have reserved seating, but I don't know where it is. You know, can you help me? And she goes, well, who are you with? I'm like, oh, you know, Pastor Craig invited me. And she goes, what's your name? And I said, my name is John Chesteen. And she said, oh, John Chesteen, your seat's right here. And I'm like, right here, front row, front front and center. So I'm, I, I play it off. You know, you have to be confident. Oh, sure it is. Yeah, great. Okay. I sit down and, and I see these, they start ushering people in to sit around me. And I'm thinking to myself, there's been a mistake that there's been some sort of mistake. There's no way this is my seat. 
I'm, I'm just John Chasteen, y'all. Like, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. I, I, didn't, I didn't belong there. I didn't feel like I belonged in the seat. Look, check this out. I didn't even pay for this seat. People had got online and bought tickets months in advance and, and purchased and waited in line and got there. I just strolled in and sat down on the front row. How's this? I didn't pay for it. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. There's nothing about me sitting here that makes sense in my mind. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me as I sat on that front. And he said, what you're experiencing in this moment is what so many Christians struggle with. Because we have shame, because we have guilt, because of our past, because of mistakes that we make, because we don't think we're worthy, we spend the majority of our life on the back row of ministry, the back row, not not sharing our faith, the back row of where God really designed us to be. Because the truth of the matter is, when it comes to life in Christ, you didn't buy that ticket. You didn't pay for it. And to be truthfully honest, I don't belong here. Really, in and of myself, I don't belong here. But but you know why I belong there? Because Craig Rochelle gave me that seat. The person on the stage gave me the authority to sit there. Do you know why you belong on the front lines with Christ? Because the person on stage, Jesus Christ, gave you that authority. He put you in that seat. He wants you there. Not because of your ability, not because you're that great, not because you're cute, sorry to disappoint you, but because of his grace, because it's, by, it's not by works, it's by grace. And let me show you this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it says, and God raised us up with Christ, watch this, and seated us with him. What? I don't belong sitting next to Christ, are you kidding me? No, you're right, you don't. You don't. But he, he put us there. Revelations chapter 3 verse 21 says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A couple weeks later, I go to this other event. I'm at this like, like I'm a good dad, y'all. I took my kids to a musical, okay? That's where you're like, wow, you are a great dad. Roll your eyes at me. Okay, so so we're seated. This guy comes walking down the aisle, taps me on the shoulder, and says, Sir, I think you're in my seat. Now, remember, I'm a pastor, so I have to, okay. And he always says to me, he says, check your ticket. Check your ticket. I pull out my ticket. You're right, sir. I'm in, my, I'm in the wrong seat. I'm so sorry. We get up. Turns out, I was way closer. So I get up and I walk down and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize my seats were this good. I was sitting in the wrong seat the whole time. You know, God does this in so many times in so many ways. You know, he walked up to Gideon. Remember Gideon? And, and he walked up to Gideon. It says the Gideon was afraid. He was threshing wheat in the wine press. God came to Gideon and said, check your ticket. He said, but I'm the weakest in my clan, God. He said, no, you're not. You're a mighty warrior. Check your ticket. Get in your rightful seat. He did the same thing to Moses. He comes to Moses. Moses was afraid. He had a speech impediment. He's like, God, how am I going to deliver the children of Israel? I can't do this. I have a speech impediment. God's like, no, check your ticket. Get up and get in your rightful place. He did the same thing with Paul. He did the same thing with Jonah. He did the same thing with Noah. And he'll do the same thing with you. The Holy Spirit will come walking up to you and tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, check your ticket, son. Check your ticket, daughter. Where are you at? I need you on the front lines. I need you in your rightful seat. Doing This is a challenge for some of you. Some of you need to join a life group. 
Some of you need to lead a life group. Some of you need to serve. Some of you need to go to that next place of discomfort, discomfort, where God is challenging you, saying, hey, hey, I need you. I need you on the front row. Don't let shame, don't let guilt, don't let anything else keep you from getting in your rightful seat for where God has you today. God is with you. God is for you. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Yet Christ paid the full price. Don't let Christ pay full price for you to sit on the back row. Christ paid for you to have a premium seat. And with all confidence, you know what the word says? The word says that, he, that the veil has been torn and that we can enter in to the presence of God with confidence, not because of my own doing, not because, but because Jesus paid the price. Jesus climbed up on that cross when it says that 10,000 angels could have pulled him off of it. Jesus hopped up on that cross for the joy set before him. You know what that joy was? You, you, every one of you, every single person at every single campus, you were the joy set before him. So that you could step into your rightful place and seat in the, sit in the seat that he's designed for you. And so with every campus, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just one minute? I want to pray for you. I don't need you to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Because I know it's you. Every single one of us, we have a new seat that God wants to put us in. So Father, I pray for every person at this campus, every person at every campus, at every network church, at every person watching online right now. God, would you challenge us? Would you move us? Would you shake us if necessary to show us our rightful seat? Show us our ticket, God. Show us the seat that you have designed us to sit in and give us the courage, give us the ability, give us the direction to stand to our feet and walk to the seat in which you have placed us. Even today, God, even tonight, even tomorrow, give us courage. Let us hear your voice. Yeah, that's my prayer. That's my prayer right there. Let us hear your voice. Speak to every one of us. Sermons don't change us. You do, God. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.